0: This is the podcast by The Straits Times. Hi, I'm Joyce Steele. Welcome to Health Check. The World Health Organization says that mental health is one of the most neglected areas of public health. Around the world, close to 1 billion people are living with a mental disorder. 3 million people die every year from the harmful use of alcohol. And one person dies every 40 seconds by suicide. So for this year's World Mental Health Day, the WHO is calling for a massive scale-up in investment in mental health. So let's talk about mental health today. And for this topic, we have Dr. Jared Ng, a consultant with the Emergency Services at the Institute of Mental Health. He tells us about some of the recent cases he's seen, how people are affected by the pandemic, and what we can do to overcome our stress during this period. Hi Dr. Ng, welcome to the program.
1: Hi, hi Joyce.
0: Can you start by telling us about the cases that you have been seeing at the ED, at IMH in this pandemic?
1: Yeah, so we've been seeing a whole variety of cases. Many of them are actually no different from the cases that we see before the pandemic. We have patients who come to us because they have thoughts of hurting themselves or hurting other people. We have patients who come to us because they suffer from a relapse of their mental illnesses, such as schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, depression. We have co-patients who come to us because Mm -hmm. they are very stressed and they cannot adjust to life, the changes in their life after the pandemic struck them. So there's a whole variety coming to see us at the emergency room. Mm,
0: Now that circuit breaker is over, are you still seeing some of these cases? I mean, what kind of stresses are people feeling?
1: I think in terms of the pandemic, right, we can see the direct effect of the pandemic and also the indirect effect. I think we do see people who are anxious about whether they are catching the disease we do see people who cannot cope with the kind of isolation during the circuit breaker when they have to be at home. I think it is a whole new adjustment for many people who never had to work from home and then now they are in their family together all the time and sometimes there's bound to be friction. Whereas people previously may be coping by leaving the house, going to meet their friends for drinks, going to meet their friends for coffee. Now they can't, they are at home and they have to face the person who is essentially rubbing them off the wrong way. Um, Now that Circuit Breaker is over, I mean we do see patients who have mental health distress because of some other indirect effect of COVID. We have people who are unemployed, I mean people Mm -hmm. who were previously working and then suddenly their business got so bad during COVID that they no longer have a job, they no longer get an income and then the economic burden on them caused them to just fall into depression, some of them. We have patients that we see, they are stuck in Singapore essentially. They can't go back home because of all the travel restrictions. And when they start getting news of things happening to them and their family in their, their own country, they suddenly become distressed. I remember seeing somebody who was here for a holiday. It was supposed to be this nice holiday to Asia. But then during the pandemic, he was stuck here and he received news that one of his family members back home got COVID and was in a hospital. And he really wanted to go home, but he couldn't. So that became a problem and eventually he got so stressed that he asked for some help and he was brought to see us at an emergency room.
0: Okay, so in some of these cases, I mean, how does the problem become so big that they actually end up at EG?
1: As with any other emergency departments, I think as the name connotes. We see them when, when it's urgent, when it's an emergency and a few of them that get brought to us actually have got strong thoughts of wanting to end their life. I mean, essentially, they feel very hopeless about the situation they are in. Many of them, when they suffer from depression, they are actually very negative about life. They have a very, very bleak outlook and they don't see any way out. And they felt that perhaps ending their life is better than going through life with all these troubles and these problems. So they get brought to us. We have some patients who act out. So instead of directing their anger, their negative emotion inwards, they became very irritable. They become agitated and aggressive, lashing out at family members and loved ones. And sometimes to the extent that family members even call the police for assistance because they can't cope with the behavior of their loved ones. And that's also another conduit by which they are brought to IMH for an assessment and hopefully treatment. Yeah, And that's what we do. We, hmm. we see whether there's an underlying illness. And if there is, we provide treatment that can come in the form of counseling, therapy, medications, and sometimes just... And Some of them may even need a short period of admission to help them to cope with some of these very, very strong emotions, this strong impulsivity.
0: Mm, okay, and this strong emotions that you mentioned, impulsivity, that's for a lot of the cases or only for the suicide attempts that you've seen?
1: In terms of risk behaviour, risk of harming themselves, suicide, self-harm, mm. and agitated behaviour, I think impulsivity does play a big role. We have patients who come and brought to see us because of something that they did while under the influence of alcohol. We know that alcohol does cause people to become a little bit or a lot more impulsive depending on how much they drink. And we have patients who after they became sober, they they tell us that actually this is not me. I don't know what I'm doing. This is definitely not me. And they end up regretting the things that they said or the things that they did. But there are some conditions such as depression or even bipolar disorder where impulsivity is one of the possible symptoms of a condition. And when patients are laboring under a mental health distress or when they are stressed, sometimes they also get more impulsive and that's when they make certain decisions which they regret later.
0: Now, if you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to The Straight Times Health Check on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify. Now back to our conversation with Dr. Jared Ng. He's a consultant with the Emergency Services at the Institute of Mental Health. For those with mental health conditions, they would be taking medication, right? I mean, the ones that have relapsed, does it have to do with them not taking the medication, for instance?
1: Uh, Sometimes the cases that we see, they are actually undiagnosed so they have never sought help before and them coming to the emergency room actually represents the first time that they ever see a mental health professional and that's when we initiate treatment and we give them medication. Sometimes when they are brought to see us by their family they actually may not be so willing to acknowledge even that they have some mental health problem. I think this is one of the myths of depression for example that some patients see that acknowledging or admitting that they are depressed is a sign of weakness, but that's not the case. It is an illness and it's an illness that can be treated. I take your point that sometimes patients may not take their medication and they end up having a relapse of their condition. This is also quite common. You think about it, sometimes when doctors prescribe us antibiotics and tell us that we need to finish one week's worth, many of us find it a chore and very laborious to even remember to take medication every morning for one week. Now when patients are depressed, they need to be on treatment for months and not just a week. So for them to remember taking a medicine every day, especially when they actually start to get better, they may feel that, hey, I'm well already, I don't need medication. But that's not really how antidepressants work and that's not how depression works as well. So many of the patients actually do need to continue with their treatment for a period of time. They need to continue with their follow-up in the hospital and for us to assess the patients whether they should stop their treatment. And even when patients stop their treatment, sometimes we still check in on them. We have a team of case managers that actually check in on patients to see how they are coping after they are discharged from our care, just to see whether things are okay. And we always remind them that, you know if you start feeling symptoms of depression again, come to us early. Don't wait till it's too late or don't wait till the symptoms become so severe that they get into some kind of issues. like For example, self-harm, agitated behavior.
0: Okay, so you're saying that the diagnosed cases where they are actually taking medication, it can also become so bad that they will actually suffer more serious symptoms.
1: Yes, I mean we always need to find the right treatment. We also need to work very closely with the patient and the family members for them to also accept the treatment. I think we want to work together with patients. That is really the most important thing. I think this is not a time period where we would tell patients, you need to take this pill two times a day. I'm not going to tell you what the pill is for. You take it and then one week later you'll be okay. This is not how psychiatry works. This is not how mental mm-hmm. health works. I think we work really, really in close conjunction with the patients and we advise them. We do a lot of psychoeducation. We do a lot of therapy and we work closely with family members as well to let them see how they can also assist. Your loved one in recovery. It's never going to be a journey alone, just patient themselves. I think everybody needs to work together for mental health issues. I'll tell you about one patient which I saw not too long ago. She was very stressed being at home. She actually came to see us in the hospital, asking for a memo to her employer to allow her to not work from home so that she can go back to the office to work. And she talks about how she enjoys going back to the office, being able to socialize with her friends, And I think this is different. I mean, all along, we think that people will come to see a doctor to get some memo so that they can don't be at work. But that's not the case now. Mm. We have got the other way around. I mean, the other group that I wanted to talk a little bit about is that now that people are put into close proximity with each other, we have family members who start to notice that, hey, actually, I think that my brother, I think that my son, I think that my father, my mother are actually not coping very well. They start to notice things which they actually never noticed before when they were out at work, out in school. So now that they are home together, they start to notice that, how come my mother seems so different from last time when she was more cheerful, more chirpy and talking to us, now she's more withdrawn? How come I see my father talking to himself, sitting there as though he's talking to someone else? These are things which people really never noticed before, but now, because they are working from home, they start to notice these things and they And because of greater awareness they realize that maybe their loved one does suffer from some kind of mental health distress and that's really when Mm. they are brought to a doctor certainly for urgent cases when for example if they hear their loved one talking about wanting to end their life wanting to hurt themselves they invariably will bring them to imh emergency room for us to do assessment and management
0: right that's interesting that's in a way the positive side of the pandemic then if people seek help early they can be treated earlier
1: Yep, definitely. I mean, we always try to look at the bright side of things. I think this has also brought some families closer together as well. uh, Yeah, this is what some of the family tell us when they come for their routine appointment. I mean, I also see patients who have recovered as well. So this is what they tell us. There's someone there to watch over them, making sure that they take their medication. And that's certainly helpful. Yeah, so I think paying attention to the needs of your loved one is important. I think always taking a step back and remembering to be kind. I think that goes a long way. I know these are really very generic things, but I think these are really helpful. We have seen many cases where it really starts off as a misunderstanding between family members and it just gets worse and worse. People start raising their voice and I don't think any good can come out of that. I think people do need to be more tolerant of the people around them, family members, neighbours, for example, members of the public, Mm -hmm. and it will certainly help in terms of general mental health. Keep an eye if you know that your loved one are actually suffering but then keep an eye always know that mental illnesses are there they can be treated it is not a sign of weakness or it's not a defect of the character to have depression or to have anxiety I think we have got very good treatment available. And treatment is really not just about taking medication. I think sometimes people have this concept that I'm going to go and see a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist is going to give me medicine. I'll be addicted to the medicine for the rest of my life. That's really not true. I think we do want to see every patient and treat everyone differently. And every case is different. I mean, there could be many patients coming coming to see us for depression. But the cause of the depression, the root of the depression, they are all different. And we will tailor the treatment accordingly. Right. Thank you, Dr. Ng. Uh, No problem. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, that's a wrap for Health Check. We hope you liked this episode with Dr. Jared Ng, a consultant with the Emergency Services at the Institute of Mental Health. Thank you for listening. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts, or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times and The Business Times online.